0: This is Life Transformation Radio. Prepare to engage. Seatbelt activated. 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 Download initiated. initiated. Your quantum journey, a transformation, begins in three, two, two, two,
1: two, two, two,
0: 1.
1: Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. Hi, I'm Rob Actis, best-selling author of The Law of Action, voice actor, business mindset coach, the podcast whisperer, and Mr. Action himself. Here at Life Transformation Radio, we are committed to share more about real life, love, the power of positivity, romance, and of course, laughter. We care about helping others find their internal drive and purpose, and we celebrate life's challenges and overcoming them. On the show, my guests are amazing people who are forces for good in the world around them and they live a life of transformation. My guest today, she does just that. Today in this episode, Brandy Holder and I discuss how mindset can be your most powerful asset or your most powerful enemy. So if you wanna learn the importance of mindset, how surrounding yourself with ambitious people will help you succeed and learn not to wear other people's stories about you so you can have the life you want Oh, you're going to like this one. This is the show for you. Brandy is a brand consultant and business coach, hell-bent, I love her already, on inspiring her clients to take action, aim higher, and achieve runaway success. Brandy is a thoughtful problem solver and creative force with a 20-year career in industry spanning economic development, housing, public safety, technology, trades, mental health, and education. She specializes in brand voice consulting for startups and growth companies and coaching emerging leaders. And here's the best part. Today, Brandy is going to be here and we're going to get down in the weeds and we're going to get real and authentic. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things and not about branding, because today we're talking about Brandy Holder's transformation of her life. Brandy, welcome to Life Transformation Radio.
0: Thank you, Rob. I am so excited to be here and get down in the weeds. Let's do it.
1: We're, we're getting in the weeds. So, so yeah. let's talk about transformation. So, we talked a little bit before we we started, and you know, you had some transformations in your life. Um, you've been married a couple of times. You know, you just you just lay it out. You just start where where you want to start, and, and we'll go from there. The universe will guide us.
0: All right. Well, well the, the universe has been. We'll go
1: deep. Guiding we'll me. Go deep. <laughs> there you go. Okay.
0: <laughs> Universe has been guiding me. I haven't always been listening. So, there we go. I um I started, you know, I I was raised by a single mother, and so I'm not going to give you the rags to riches story. By the way I got jazz hands all the time. I'll try to keep that under control. Um <laughs> Jazz hands are fine.
1: Jazz hands are fine.
0: Um so I, you know, I was raised by a single mother. We didn't have a lot. Um, but they really strongly believed in my education and wanted to keep me out of trouble. So there was always summer camp and after school activities and you know just all the things required to keep a young child busy. Um, but they also required me to go to the rich kids school. And uh, you know fitting in at the rich kids school was really tough when you don't have anything. And so early on, I had a really difficult time um, learning how to make relationships, you know, learning that people were important in my life, that ne- networking was going to be important. And that really greatly impacted my business later in life. Um, and so I just was kind of like floating along, doing whatever. And that, you know, my my success didn't really start to kick in and, until my 30s, and then really um, when my husband got sick, and so in my 40s. So I took a really long time to wow. come around to understand that I had to make some shit happen for myself, uh, and then it was going to be me, you know? And uh, yeah, so it's been a long transformation, and it's just getting started, I think.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you had a husband that got sick, but let's start. So you, you, you found this man... And so, tell me about that, like just tell me how you cross paths. How did that happen? Yeah, because you smile when you think about it.
0: well, because he was he we were so different. I always called myself like the lead weight to his balloon. He was excited and was always running around and doing things and going out and being like this really big extrovert and I am traditionally now this has changed for me um traditionally, I'm kind of introverted. I like to sit at home and drink my wine and read my books. And, you know, I'm just happy doing that. And he liked to be out. And so I had this town that I live in now in Southeast Missouri. I came here on a one-year project. I didn't know anybody. I just came to fix something. And then I was going to leave. Um, that was 11 years ago, by the way. And this is my home wow. now. Wow. Um, but I had moved in next door to these these neighbors that I had met one night, my lesbian neighbors. I love them very much. And they came over to my house one night and uh, they were like, come on, you're going to go hang out at the bar. And I'm like, girls, all I do is work. Like, I'm not trying to go hang out at no bar. And uh, so they drugged me out and we had, you know, a few too many drinks. And this guy walks in and starts hanging around. And I don't know, we just we just clicked but i was not looking for a relationship i was busy i had work you know i'm working 60 hours a week and and still i'm at that stage in my life where you know people and relationships don't feel like important things to me which is you know right, not very right. good but that's just kind of where i was you know my first marriage didn't work out i married somebody who um we were very young and not right for each other in any stretch of the imagination uh i never wanted kids his mother wanted him to have kids uh, she definitely made that very known that I was not right for him. And, and he. Well, that's so not very nice. And, that's
1: yeah. not very. Right. Well, I don't know why people do that. I don't. Yeah. You know what? People need to just live their, live their own freaking lives. Yeah. Seriously. She, um,
0: she did not like me. And she made that very, very known in the seven years we were together. So uh, that, that didn't work out. If mom, if mama bear doesn't like you, uh, it's already got some strikes on it. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, so, I, I think that's, I think that's projection. I, I think you're just this radiant, beautiful soul and I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here and it's her loss. She never got a chance to meet who you are and that's, that's her loss. So. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I stole her. her, I stole her baby boy and took him down to Florida too. So, you know, there was that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got you. I got you <laughs> With a devilish grin. That's right. <laughs> so great. You know, he, I love It, it was okay. free
0: will. Free will.
1: I, you know. Uh, I got gotcha. you. So, so that relationship yeah. didn't quite work for seven years that just decided to transition.
0: Yeah. And, and then, then you I met, was
1: done. And then you were in the bar with the lesbians and you met? Yes.
0: Tim. Yeah. Tim. So the my neighbors, my next door neighbors, uh, I hold them fully responsible for Tim. Uh, and we, I don't know, there was some kind of weird, fast connection there. He was very, very charismatic and I was not. And you know, that whole opposites attract thing, right? He had a very sweet smile and, uh, he was fun to be around. And it was just something so different than what I was doing that I enjoyed spending time with him. And then all of a sudden we were spending all You know all I, this just time to you a what, I just want to stop
1: you for a minute. What I just want to stop you for. I I think the connection was because he saw you. He saw who you were. He saw you.
0: Like a grumpy cat? He liked grumpy cats
1: maybe. <laughs> well, there, no no, he saw he saw your soul. He saw your light. He saw who you really were. He yeah. saw you behind the wall. Yeah. And I think that's that's what it was.
0: Yeah, probably. I think probably I saw him too, and I was probably the very first woman in his life that um, could see him and see that he needed love and that he needed someone to care for him. And I think that that's probably why the universe brought us together, because there was nobody, nobody that was going to care for him during his illness the way that I did. Nobody. And uh, I think that that's why we came together, because he needed he needed somebody to love him and to be hardcore and stand up for him in his treatment meetings and make sure that he was being well taken care of and fed right, you know, with anti inflammatory food. And, you know, I right. ended up becoming the breadwinner in that relationship. I mean, my business. So you went married off the rails. him. So
1: you, you you had the relationship and you married him. And then so how shortly after when you got married did this this illness occur? It was
0: cancer. Forty four right? days. Wow. Yeah. 44 days. Wow. We we spent, uh, we were together for seven years and uh, we had waited to get married because we both had had failed marriages and right. we kind of were like, what's the point? And then I don't know. It was, I don't know if it was just the societal push of that's just the convention that people do, or if we felt like it was time. I'm not exactly sure. We had a, we had a really kick-ass wedding, by the way. We went up to uh, Northern Michigan we got married in this little bitty town of like 927 people. It was no big deal. We wore beautiful wedding clothes. My mom and sister were there and we had friends there and we just partied. You know, we had like this giant ass party and it was so fun. That's awesome. And then 44 days later, we were heading out. He was big into um, competition shooting. So he okay. was heading out to do, uh, I guess, the skeet shooting where right. you shoot the clays. We were heading yep. out to a competition, um, in the middle of the state and we get the call. He had had a routine, uh, screening that he had had done because he had, um, iron disorder and it Fine. came back with a mass and the, uh, oncologist who was our friend called us and said, Hey, you got this mass. And I, I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. It's probably no big deal, but we need to get you in here. Well, I mean, right. obviously right. a mass in your liver yeah. is a big deal. <laughs> so we need
1: to get you in here like right now.
0: Yeah. Like, he was like, can you turn not around <laughs> three weeks,
1: but can you come home now? Wow. Yeah.
0: So that's what we did. We went to the shooting competition and uh, he did really well as he had been doing his whole life. And when we came back, I think we were in the office like the next day and we were hearing the news that this was probably a tumor in his uh, liver and that we were going to have to start chemo and, you know, just start the whole progression of everything you do when you have cancer. Wow, that's yeah
1: that's rough, that's rough, and yeah, and I'm sorry for your loss. I know you went through a lot in that, and uh there's no there's nothing easy about any of that,
0: no, and thank you, and it was so funny, we were so naive, right, because I hadn't experienced anything like that in my family, and he was so. Just an optimistic person. Like he never, the man ran over himself with a vehicle, by the way, and shot himself. And he did not think that a little mass in his liver was going to be the thing that took him out in this world. Wow. wow. So we didn't know. I called my family and I was like, hey, no big deal. But, you know, Tim has a mass in his liver. It's not a big deal. We're just going to, you know, I'll give him some of mine. We just, we yeah, had no idea. Got it. And then my family yeah. was like, um.
1: <laughs> that's kind of serious.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's, it's really serious. And I remember my mom saying to me, um, you know, I, I think I had told you earlier, she was a hospice nurse for a long right. time. She's been a nurse her entire career. And she said, Hey, do you want me to be your mother right now? Or do you want me to be a nurse? Because we probably need to have a different kind of discussion. And that was when I realized that things were not going to be okay. And that I was going to lose my husband. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot.
1: You know, we're talking about mindset today, and it definitely is a powerful asset to have. And it can also be your most powerful enemy. And I would imagine that in that situation, you have to have incredible mindset. I had a um, blood clot. Um, I have two now. Um, I've gone through two, and the first one was you know, hey, lay in bed and, you know, try not to die because yeah. it's from your hip down to your ankle and it's really bad. And, you know, mm. we don't just kind of just got to do nothing. And the one thing that got me through that is mindset of like, mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, things got dark and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to give it everything I have. And I, I visualized which i I found fascinating um I visualized and it was silver and bright with lights if you're a science fiction fan, you would see this almost like or you can look at Elon Musk, the boring company I had a mm-hmm. boring machine that was super super shiny and lights <clears throat> and it was boring. I visualized it boring my blood clot but as as even to that point, it had a mesh screen. So as it was boring, it was capturing all mm. of the remnants of the blood clot that wouldn't go in and cause me to have a heart attack or a stroke and die a you know slow, painful death. Yeah. Um, but mindset is is so important. I I can only imagine the mindset you had to have to one help him get through and transition to the other side and then also just for you to survive mentally because yeah. it's really difficult when you're in that situation.
0: Yeah, I um I it was weird because we went through that for 2 years and I think that uh he probably only should have lived a year. Um but we went very aggressive into treatment and also like you were saying the mindset and he yeah. never told me anything like what you just told me and I don't know if he had those kinds of conversations with himself, or if he literally just had blind faith that he was gonna be okay. He didn't talk he right. wasn't one of those people who was a big talker. But I, I literally to this day still believe that he just thought that he was going to be okay. Right. And so I uh
1: Well he was it, he he lived a lot longer than he should have. Yeah. You know, the the mindset people that get diseases and they give up, they give up and they're gone. Yeah. You know, yep. the one thing, you know, you had talked about in relationship and that you were, you know, going to be single. And the one thing that I know and from talking to other people that have had near death experiences or before they, you know, are dying is the <clears throat> one thing that you regret is not really doing your bucket list. It's not how much mm-hmm. money you made or what you bought. It's just, I wish I would have spent more time with. I wish yes. I could have said, this too—that's really all that matters. That was yeah. the most important thing. That's the one thing that I was laying there. I'm like, wow. And then the other thing is, is that how, when I get out of this, and I it, no even doubt when I get out of this, how am I going to really truly appreciate life even more than I already do, and how am I going to make a positive impact on the world? Because I I feel that I'm like living on borrowed time. Yeah, And that's a general conversation, not just with me, but many, many people that have near-death experiences.
0: Well, it's so interesting you say that because that, you know, everybody was really concerned about me and him during that period and then after. Um, and that's really what I told people is it was, it's sad for him because he's gone. That man did a right. lot in his life. And he, you realize when that happens, just as you were saying that life is a gift, and it's really unfortunate that we have to have those experiences to realize it. You know, I, I remember sitting there at one point and seeing like a coffee mug that said YOLO. And it really pissed me off because we make these pillows and these mugs and this stuff where we say, oh, you only live once, you only live once and go grab life. But none of us are living that way. And those of us that are usually had to experience something really traumatic to understand that it really right. is so short and so precious. And I would never want anyone in my life to have to come to it that way. And so I'm like you. I try to that's why I continue to share this story. It's because it kind of keeps them alive for me because people when they're gone, they do fade really fast. And it's yeah. it's 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 really a weird thing when you realize you can't see the face of your loved one in your mind anymore or you can't hear their voice anymore. And so when you do stuff like this, not only does it keep their legacy alive and, and help them know that they didn't just go out of this world and not have an impact. He impacted a lot of people. Um, but also, I really want people to know that life is a gift. And in our final days together, it helped me build my business into a six-figure operation so that money wow. was no issue. Right. And we got to go do everything we wanted. We went on vacation. We drank all the wine. We ate all the food. We went and saw friends. We danced at weddings. I made him play on playgrounds like an idiot. Like we just did everything that we could do because I was trying to literally squeeze the last every moment out. of life. Absolutely. I knew that he didn't know that the last time that he held a baby, that that was going to be the last time or the right. last time we danced at a wedding, that it was going to be the last time. And uh, I did. And I didn't want, to look back and think, he wouldn't go out on the dance floor with me. You know, I made right. him. I made right. him do all that stuff.
1: I think that's great. I think that's great. And he great. had a great and, you time.
0: Know,
1: you know the 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 fact is, is that, and I talk about this all the time, is that you need to live your life like you want to be alive. It's so important, and I think you know this podcast and other podcasts and other people that speak and books. And people telling and sharing their stories really assist people that have never had a near death experience or had an end of life experience from someone dramatic like you have. And they can learn from these experiences and not have to go through what a lot of us have gone through because no. I wouldn't wish a near death experience um, of yourself or of an immediate family member on anybody, even my worst enemy. It is um, horrific. Um, my daughter was 14 years old, and she suffered four strokes. And went into a coma and had to have brain surgery. Mm. And we sat there for many, many days, you know, watching her exist and having the doctors tell us that, you know, she's going to die. and the next hour. And I don't wish that anybody. So my, th- my hope and my prayer is that people that are listening to this show really take a moment to stop and breathe and hear Brandy's story and hear my story and just realize that at any moment, your life can change. It can change for the good and it can change, unfortunately for the bad and that we have no guarantees and it's so important to live every day like you want to be alive.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm really sorry that you went through that. It's That, I think, is one of the hardest things, the waiting and not knowing and uh, yeah. just sitting and feeling so powerless. You know, I think that that's probably why my business took off the way that it did, because I felt so freaking powerless over yeah. everything that was happening to him. And um, I, I needed somewhere to channel that energy, right? I was tired and stressed out and worried. I was worried the lights were going to go out. You know, I remember laying in that bed for 635 days and thinking like, do the lights go out? Do I, Did we pick, can we afford the power bill? You know, like what happens yeah. next? He's gone. I knew he didn't, he wasn't managing his money well, and then he couldn't work. He had just, we had both just launched businesses. There was no cash. Right. Um, and I thought, oh my god, the lights are gonna go out. And of course, coming from being raised by a single mother in more of a poverty state, you've always got that poverty mindset tugging at you that you have to deal with in order to be successful. And it was tugging on that really hard. And I was trying to think, you know, like you're not your story doesn't have to be about struggle, and it doesn't have to be right. that you're going to be homeless and broke and destitute, it's just it doesn't have to be that. And so, you've got to think of what it is that's going to move that forward. And I think that just became my focus. I needed somewhere to place my energy and also to get away. I mean, that sounds so like callous, but when you're dealing with somebody who's going through cancer, it's not its not the cancer that's killing them. It's all the treatments, right? You know, they're, yeah. they're getting surgery, they're getting poked, they're going to all these different diagnosis it's instruments and medicine, lot. and then they're sick all the time, right? Yeah. So he was miserable all the time. And I couldn't do anything about that.
1: A lot of them are in pain. It's yeah, wouldn't it's eat. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I became like, a, I, should, I probably have like three Michelin stars. I just want you to know, like I became this kick-ass chef because he'd be in there talking about he wasn't going to eat. And I'd be in there like whipping up some gourmet dinner. I'm like, you're going to eat.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, mindset got you through that. And it's interesting because we all need to live our life to the beat of our own drummer. We need to do what we need to do to live our life. And one of the things that, that you mentioned earlier was uh, caused some drama in my life because after Tim passed away, people around you, they have their own story of how your life should be and how your relationship should be. And yes. you, met, you met someone else. And is this from the lesbians yes. or you did this on your own?
0: No, I my best okay. girlfriends. <laughs> I went to a new set of girlfriends who introduced me All to right. a new man.
1: <laughs> there you go. All right. And now yeah. how soon was this after Tim's passing?
0: Um, it was so probably three months. It was very. soon. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. See, it can't. It can't yeah. be three months. It can't be.
0: But you know what? what? A Knowing
1: <laughs> I know, right? But here's the thing: just from just my just my sense of Tim, he's like, look. I want you to be happy. I want you to yeah. have a fulfilled life. And he would be shining his light down and go, I'm okay. This guy's worthy. He's cool. Yeah, we're good. And you know, yeah. well, you know. It's, and it's, it's interesting how other people put their, their take on people's relationships.
0: Oh my just, God. I really like, I really stirred the pot up. I live in a small town and, uh, oh my I'm, God. I'm a harlot now. You know, I'm just down. You, do you have to wear that little, you have
1: to wear, you have to wear that H on your, on your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: yeah. And, God. you know, it was so funny. Like, obviously, I just went through this traumatic experience. And now the thing that, the thing that's different for me that's probably different for other people is when you go through two years of knowing someone is going to die, you have, really dealt with a lot of grief. Like by the time he actually Absolutely. passed away, I had yeah. just I had dealt with a huge ball of that grief for 2 years. Yeah. And uh then he passed away and I knew he wasn't in pain anymore and so it just then I was transitioning to a different part of my life. I definitely did not want to be dating anybody. You know, I right. just lost my husband. I got this career that's just booming off the charts like I like living by myself, you know, like I was like, I'll just, I'm just going to get a bread machine and a puppy, like, and do the pandemic shit. You know what I mean? Oh my God.
1: You're so funny. And okay, I, so love it. I love it.
0: I'm sitting there on my couch one night and I'm watching cheesy Hallmark movie and I made this beautiful Alfredo and I was drinking wine and I'm like having the time of my life by myself in my Christmas sweatpants, even though it was like May. Right. Okay. So Sitting there and my girlfriend texts me and she's like, hey, you know, this bar is open. Things are open. Come out. And I'm like, girl, no, I have everything I need right here. And uh, they're making fun of me because I'm old. And and then finally, like the wine ran out and the food ran out and the movie was over. And I was like, well, all right, I guess I'm going to get all dressed right. and go out. So I get to the bar and uh, there's a group of friends there and we were all hanging out. We hadn't seen each other in a long time because we had been in shutdown and I had obviously been, you know, really busy taking care of my husband. And uh, there was this guy there, nice enough. You know, I remember him having this big beaming smile, but that was really it. And apparently we had had an exchange. And, and when he left, our friends were like, get marrying us. You know, they're like, you guys have got to go on a date. There was something. Right, there. Right, and I'm like, right. what? You do realize like, I am a fresh widow, right? Are you crazy? Right. You know? And uh, I just said, well, you know, you can give him my number and we went out on a date and I don't know what the hell happened, but it was, that was it.
1: The it universe just, done shine its light upon you.
0: It was so crazy. And he's, the most kind and sweet man I have ever met in my entire life. And my younger self would have never been attracted to that. Cause I was like, give me all the garbage, right? Like, right, right, you know, give me all the, when I was younger and in my, my first husband, I was like, if you're a bad boy, you know, let's go for it. I'll change you or whatever we do. That's so stupid. But this is a very nice kind man who was very patient and, you know, has his own business and has his own thing and doesn't, need my time, wants my time when I have it available to him. Right. And he's got his own friends and hobbies. And I don't know, it just, um, we just started dating and uh, not everybody was crazy about it. I was though, he was. <laughs> the people that That's mattered funny. were, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And, you know, here's the thing. If you live every day like you want to be alive and you harness every moment of every day for joy and happiness. You get to decide when it's time for you to move on. No one else gets to decide that. Yeah. And I, I find that not even frustrating. I find it, I'm sorry, I find it downright offensive that people do that, that people will dictate your life when they're not living your life, they haven't yeah. been through what you've been through. They don't know the conversations that you and Tim had. They just don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and it, it's, you know, I got enough going on in my life. I don't have any time to worry about anybody else's life. I exactly. just, if people are, if people are happy, people are happy. And, and I, I, that's the way that, that I live my life. I don't judge. You know, I'm an ordained minister. We talked about that. And I marry all different types of, of people mm-hmm. and all different types of relationships. And the one common denominator is this connection that I see. And you can feel it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's beautiful. They have these strings connecting them. There's hard strings. Yeah. And, you know, when you operate out of abundance... Your life can be just so beautiful.
0: Yeah, I agree. And there is something about that, what you're speaking of, of connection. And, you know, like I think about how different I am compared to where I was, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago. I think that going through that with Tim opened me up to everything I can have now. Yeah. I was not very patient. I was I was too busy for everything. I would buried myself in my work because I felt like I was obligated to do that. I felt like that was my worth. You know, I had come out of, you know, not having a lot and I was starting to build a lot. And so I felt like the only way to be that was to be the hustle culture. And it also kept people at bay. And as someone who wore the term introvert for a long time, I felt like I had to keep people at bay, right? keep them out of my business. And so, you know, I had gone through this with my husband and lost him and watched this man die who was definitely not ready to go and i thought what a disservice i'm doing to him if i don't change the way that i'm operating my life right like right. it doesn't serve either one of us for me to be a grumpy cat or be stuck or be impatient like i can have be those things but that doesn't have to define who i am and where i am in those moments and oh, but- i'm a much happier person. I'm much more like go with the flow. I, one of my, the new man I'm dating, my new beau, his name is Chris. One of his friends calls me cool in the gang because I apparently am like, just whatever, let's just go with it. And that would have, awesome. you would have never described me like that before. So it definitely changed me and made me open to new possibilities and new relationships and new opportunity.
1: What a beautiful gift! So, how did you? Just curious, how did you like just deflect all of that negative crap that people were throwing at you when you're hanging out with New Chris, your beau?
0: Yeah, um, it was. It was really hard at first. I'm going to be honest with you because did
1: people it, actually say things to you, or did they just snicker behind your back? Did oh, they, they did say some snarky.
0: To you? That, you know, like I would show up with him at a bar, and this the uh, lady who owned the bar had worked, she had owned it forever. She, Tim and I used to go in there. It's a small town. Where am I going to go? Right. Am I going to hide right, in my house? Right. right. We walked in there and she reached over and she grabbed my hand. She goes, Oh, and she looks at him. And she, well, how long has it been? And I was like,
1: been one <laughs> week. It's been <laughs> yeah. one week. That's <laughs> like, just.
0: And then I had someone, someone that Tim and I had spent Thanksgiving's with. I mean, we had been to their house and, uh, I told them about this man I was dating and, she screamed at me over the phone. How dare I? And who did I think I was? And, you know, why didn't I call her? And I'm like, well, first of all, like, I didn't even have access to his information. When he died, it's not, I didn't even have the Wi Fi password. So that's wow. probably another story you yeah. talk about with ladies like, get your shit in order before someone dies. But, uh, like I did not why is it my responsibility that will be the next podcast
1: with my, with, with yeah. Brandy It's like get your shit in order before your spouse dies yeah, that'll be the, So you don't get locked out
0: of the Wi-Fi and the bank accounts and everything
1: I know right Oh my god you're funny you're funny.
0: <laughs> but yeah so I just had to um, make the decision that they couldn't understand where I was and what I went through and that the the people who did understand and did show me love were the people who mattered and nobody yeah, else did. All- and it's just—it was just a decision that I made, and uh, those people really fell away from my life once they realized that I didn't care that they were unhappy and had to put that on me. You know,
1: you raise that vibration, girl. You raise That's that right. vibration, and they will fall away. And here's the yep. thing: you only want people in your life that are worthy of being in your life. And if they're not supporting you and loving you and helping you and power to be the best you can be, bye bye. Yep. Bye bye. So, yep. well, if you want to reach Brandy, you can reach her at brandyholder.com. You can talk business and you can find out more about her beau, Chris. I'm sure she'll tell you all about that. <laughs> He's pretty cute. He's pretty cute. Yeah, but you're holding on to him. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you, Rob. This was wonderful. I enjoyed meeting you and learning more about you and, and just being here today.
1: Absolutely. And, and by the way, uh, this is Brandy's first ever podcast. She did such a great job. <laughs> there you go, Plaza Plaza. And thank you so much for your support and taking time out of your busy and precious day to listen to Life Transformation Radio. I so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me, along with my very special guests, to touch your heart, move your soul, and inspire you to live a life of transformation. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time. This
0: is Life Transformation Radio. Download complete.